Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. God, we're so thankful today that it is done, it is finished. God, that you won. Father, you lived a life that we could never live. You endured a death. You went to the cross that we deserved. Yeah, Father, uh, on the cross, you said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even in the depths of your heart, you're still speaking love over your people despite the fact that it was our sin that got you the cross. So God, today, we just, it's, we feel the weight of that moment, but we also just celebrate your resurrection, Father, that that wasn't the end. That it, it is done. It is finished. Did it mean I am dead. It meant your sins are dead. It meant, it meant death is dead. And that we can truly have victory in every area of our life. So God, we love you so much today. Today is all about you. Easter is a celebration of you. And so Father, we come to celebrate you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and, and have a seat on your way down. Look to the person next to you. Say happy Easter. Say it's going to be, it's going to be a good day. Did you know that in 2017, actually right when my wife and I moved to Boulder, Colorado, Boulder got named America's happiest city. Jay, would you do me a favor? Would you bring me my stand for just a second? Sorry, brother. Boulder got labeled happiest city in America. Isn't that pretty cool? By almost every major research outlet. So Washington Post, Keegan, you the man. Jake, you the man too. Love you, bro. <laughs> it's all good. I love it. But almost every major research outlet. So the Washington Post, Forbes, uh, the Outsider Magazine, and even the National Geographic, they, they rated Boulder. Just Google, look at best city 2017 all over. Boulder, Colorado is the happiest city in America. I want to read uh, a little bit, an excerpt from an article out of the National Geographic. It says this, National Geographic best-selling author Dan Buettner and Gallup social scientists teamed up to develop an index that assesses measurable expressions of happiness and identifies where Americans are living their best life. The winner, Boulder, Colorado, bolstered by a sense of community, access to nature. Can't you just imagine a video happening right now of all the scenes of Boulder? A sense of community, access to nature, sustainable urban development, and preservation policies. And perhaps even that clean mountain air. Mm. I felt some of that this morning driving in here. Boulderites overwhelmingly feel active and productive every day, according to Butner's research. Uh, how many of you feel active and productive every day? <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe exaggerated a tad, unless like, you know, on the mountains is active and, you know, productive or, you know, sitting on the couch, eating potato chips. So that's your, it's, you're actively eating and you're, you know, you're kind of productive, but I would say that's probably not entirely true of all of us. But I love me some Boulder, Colorado, and I would agree with everything that the research shows. I love everything about this city. I love the shops. I love the food. 
Pearl Street, Chautauqua. I'm just going to list everything every tourist does every time they come to Boulder. Sanitas, Flagstaff. I love everything about this city. I love the seasons. I think we have the best seasons of anywhere in the country. Am I right? Fall, Aspens. I love everything about Boulder, especially the people. I was riding uh, my, my bike and with the kids. We were riding to school this week. And we were riding to school, and it was just a beautiful day. You know, spring was in the air, cool breeze. And we're riding, and in the backdrop were the Flatiron Mountains. And I just kind of like felt the weight of, wow, like, we live in a beautiful place. Can you believe we live here? Has anybody else ever feel that before where you're driving somewhere, you're walking, and you kind of look around and you go, is this real life? I get to do this every single day. I love Boulder, Colorado so much. And I believe that all of the research done to point to Boulder, Colorado is true. It's productive. It's healthy. You know, people live on average, I think it was seven to 10 years longer in Boulder than in other places of the country. Found this out by my doctor. Felt pretty good about that. It's productive. It's prosperous. It's beautiful. And what's not to love about Boulder? But I think if we're just going to be real for just a second, I think in the shadows of what is on the surface, which I'm not discounting that that's real and, and authentic, but I think in the shadows, there's some other elements at play in our lives. I think that Boulder can be a very isolating place. I think it can be really tough to find genuine and authentic, deep, meaningful relationships in Boulder. And for those of you who are new to Boulder, that just got like right plugged into Pinewood, you're like, yeah, all right, this is crazy. I felt like I had like tons of friends like day one. Yeah, that's not the norm, okay? It's not the norm. It takes time and it's a struggle. It's a challenge. Another thing that I believe is, is behind the curtain that maybe you don't see on Instagram is this deep need and deep desire in the heart of every human being on the planet to live for something more than themselves. The search for truth, the search for purpose, something more meaningful than maybe your next job position or your next investment or your next job opportunity. and Maybe something a little bit deeper than your next PR. Something more satisfying than your next walk in the mountains or time alone watching the sunrise. Not that any of these things are bad. I love all of these things. I love wild adventures. If somebody pitches an idea, sign me up. I'm all about it. I love PRs. I love pushing people and celebrating people's success. But I just feel like there's something in the heart of all of us that want to live for something more. I, th- I feel like at the end of the day, there's, say we get all of these things. We get everything that I just said. I think there's still something at the end of the day when I, we lay our head down on the pillow, we think to ourselves, there has to be more than this. My, my wife and I, we had a little bit of a heavy week. You know, uh, this is a transparent space. We uh, just kind of want to be a little authentic with you. Uh, it was a tough, tough week for our family. 
in our home. That last couple of weeks, honestly, it was heavy. Uh, my wife and I, we found out that two people that we love so dearly uh, had taken their lives. And that was heavy for my wife and I, for our whole family. And, um, and we had many late, late, late nights with, with people that were dealing with just incredible, deep brokenness. Brokenness in their relationships, brokenness in their marriage. And, and I, I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, you're being a real Debbie Downer right now. This is Easter. We're supposed to be celebrating. But I just, I feel like, I feel like I just needed to let you know what people see on the outside is not always what's going on on the inside. To these, these people that took their own life and these people that were going through significant, deep, dark brokenness in their relationships and, and dealing with all number of other struggles and searching for meaning, on all exterior perspective from outside looking in they are the happiest family in america they are the happiest person in america they're the most fulfilled person in all america because it's from the outside and so if you bump into them at a party everybody's smiling everybody's feeling good they're high-fiving but let me tell you their saturday night at 7 p.m looks a lot different than their saturday night at 2 p.m 2 a.m when they're alone with their thoughts in their bed You know, I don't say all of this to, to be a downer because in, in all reality, uh, as followers of Jesus, we have an, an infinite amount of hope here, an infinite message of hope. And that is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ can help heal all of the brokenness that we've ever experienced. A sense of community and isolation that you feel, the good news of the gospel can provide a relationship with God that is described as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he says, he goes on to say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So the word today, I just have one, one message and one point only, and that is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives a way so that we can have a relationship with the Father. And I want to talk about how you can have a relationship with God today. We're going to look in Matthew 28, and we're going to read the resurrection account. And then we're going to dive into the gospel. Matthew 28. We're just going to look at seven, seven verses here recounting the story of Jesus' resurrection. It says this, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards were shaken by fear of him that they become like dead men. The angel told the woman, don't be afraid because I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. For he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So the one, the one message that I want to communicate to you today 
is what, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with my life? That's a question that I want to answer today. Like, even if you're here and you say, yes, okay, I believe Jesus was there and, you know, I'll give it to you. Maybe he was resurrected. But at the end of the day, what does that mean for me? And the most important thing that I can tell you today is that it, it gives you a, a way to have a relationship with God. A relationship, 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 relationship. I just want you to like let that word sink into your mind, sink into your heart for just a second. Relationship. You know, there's a lot of things we could preach today, a lot of things we could talk about today. But at Pinewood Church, we're not about your behavior, what you can do, what you should do, what you don't do. That's very secondary here. We believe there's one important thing that is central to your life, and that is an intimate and deep and personal relationship with the God in heaven. And it's Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection that makes it possible for that to happen. The first thing that I want to see in this message of the gospel is that there is a problem called sin. You know, here we go. We're going to go there. We're talking about sin. Here's the deal. I just want to go ahead and lighten the mood a little bit for everybody. Let everybody exhale a little bit. And I want to say this. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I could be wrong. There may be a few of you that feel this way, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt today. I'm going to say that there's not a single person in the room that would say, I'm perfect. Any perfect people in the house tonight? Other than my wife. Yes. No. (laughs) Woo! Just kidding. Yeah. Oh, she's flawed, people. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love her. I love her. She's perfect. I love her imperfections. I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that everyone in the room would say, I'm not perfect. Now, what you may or may, what I may define as sin may be drastically different. But just to say, I believe that we're all sinners. The scripture says this. The scripture says, Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned. For all have sinned. There's not one person hasn't sinned. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if God's glory is perfection and holiness and righteousness, then we've sinned against the holy God and we are not as glorious and righteous as him. So this creates a separation between God and man. I just want you to think for just a second in your life, what has sin produced in, in my life? Think about that for just a second. Think about whatever you may think would be labeled as a sin. Sin is anything that is the antithesis of God's will for our life or God's moral standard by which the way we are to live. Sin is us turning our back on God saying, God says to do this. I say, I, I think I'm going to do this. Think about a moment in your life where you have sinned. Well, well what was the effects of that? What, what produced as a result of that. You know, I often sit and talk about this, this with, with people about like, what do, what do you think this is? What do you think this path, the direction that you're on right now, what do, what do you think this path is gonna lead? I wanna tell you today from, from my experience, based on the scripture, it leads to destruction. It never works out well for you. And you're like, yeah, well, prove it. Well, 
if you were to come in here today and punch somebody in the face, it would not work out so well for you. No, not that any of y'all would do that, but, or, you know, if you're, if you're super arrogant and prideful, Mr. Miss Know-it-all, that's not going to work out so well for you. You're probably not going to have a lot of friends. See, from our standard, it produces d- destruction. But from the Bible's standard, the Bible says that it produces death. You see, sin is the problem, but the Bible actually goes further to say that sin is death. The Bible says, for the wages of our sin is death in Romans 6.23. I want you to think about, for just a second, you may be saying, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. And, and I, I would say you're right. Sin is pretty heavy. You know, it was our sin that Jesus bore on the cross. It was our sin and why he had to suffer and endure such a brutal beating and the nails in his hands and the, the pulling of his beard, the, the thorn of crowns, the crown of thorns. Yes, yeah, sin is heavy. I want you to think for just a second. Have you ever committed a crime? Don't raise your hand. This is rhetorical. I don't want all the, you know. Yes, okay. I got a speeding ticket once. But have you ever committed a crime? Let's just say you committed a crime. And I mean, let's not say it was anything drastic. Let's say it was kind of a chill crime. <laughs> just because there's chill crimes. My wife gets these all the time. I get these things in the mail and her like running through a red light, like smacking a kid in the back, like get this passy in your mouth. Let's just say it's like a chill crime like that. And she's like, you know, the picture, how it like takes a picture of your face. You've all got those tickets. But say it's a chill crime. You go before a judge, whatever your crime is. You go before the judge, and it's, and it's you, obviously guilty of running through the red light. There's the picture. And the judge looks down, and he's like, are you guilty of this thing? And I mean, you can't help but say, yeah. It's like, oh, that's not me. It's my doppelganger. No, it's you. It's your car, your tags. You're guilty. So you say, you know, I admit it. You know, I'm guilty. That was me. Take that on myself. And then all of a sudden, in this moment where you're, you're about to take the penalty for something you deserve, right, all of a sudden, this upstanding citizen steps up in the room who has never done anything wrong. Everybody loves this guy. He's constantly serving people. He sacrifices his time, his energy, his resources for the city. He's donated to your favorite charity. He was there for you in your time of need. This guy stands up in the room, and he walks in between you and the judge, and, the court, and everybody in the courthouse is going, what is he doing? But he's, he's got the room. He's got their attention. And he walks in between the judge and he walks in between the one condemned. And he says, judge, I recognize this man's guilty in that he's deserving of the, whatever penalty and wage that, that you give him. But, but judge, I want to take his penalty. Can you imagine this person who, who loves this guy? No, man, you can't do that. This is me. I deserve this. Let me work my way out of this one. I'll go to the class. You know, I'll take the points. I'll pay more on my insurance. Like, let me work my way out of this so that I can be good. And God says, no. No, no, no. I love you this much. 
to stand in the gap for you and to take this crime for you. But the reality, and I want you to, I want you to hear this, the reality of sin is not an extra class. The result of the penalty for sin is not an extra class. It's not a couple points on your insurance. It's death and eternal separation from a holy God. Which I love one of my favorite passages of all scripture. is but God. I just love, I mean, I'm going to continue, but that, but God. So we're sinful. We're guilty. The punishment is ours. But God. But God, but God. But God demonstrates. God shows. God reveals his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet guilty, Christ died for us. Christ saw you. He knew your sin. He knew everything that you were going to do, past, present, future. And he looked at you and he said, I love you. Don't you just love a movie where there's the the person who sacrifices his life for somebody else? You're like, you get goosebumps. You're like, what is it inside of me? I want to be that person that sacrifices his life to save someone else. Scripture says, greater love than no one than this, than he who would lay down his life for a friend. I think we could say today for sure. For sure, that demonstrates love. Somebody stepping in and somebody sacrificing their life for me, for sure that demonstrates love. Who is this Jesus? The first thing that we looked at is that there's a problem of sin. The second, that the penalty from Scripture says is death. Death, eternal separation from a holy God. But death spiritually, and I just... The last and final thing I want us to look at is that Jesus is our provision. Jesus stands in the gap. You have have man and humankind and humanity on this side. You have God on the other. And if only we could get to God, right? And, And let me be real. I mean, there are many, many, many religions you can choose from that have a plan for you to walk out and try to earn your way towards righteousness or try to earn enlightenment or favor or some unknown destiny beyond what we may be able to comprehend today. But I just want to distinguish one thing about the Christian faith and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's this, is that every other religion is, what do I have to do to get to this? What do I have to do to get to God? What do I have to do to get to eternity? What do I have to get to relationship? And, and God did something different. God looked across the chasm and said, you can't get to me, so I'm going to come to you. I'm going to break the chasm by sending my son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God, lo- he looked down with love and our sin and and our depravity. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to send my son. And Jesus came to this earth. Fully God, fully man, son of God. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. 
if nothing else, if you're here today, read the accounts of Jesus. If you're into people that did unimaginable things, Jesus is the one, man. Born of a virgin, never sinned against God, heal people, love people, sacrifice for people. There's, there's a story of this woman who got caught in adultery. And everybody was dragging this woman into the street, throwing her in and saying, God, letter of the law says this. This woman is condemned. Condemn this woman, Jesus says. He just kind of chills a little bit. Everybody's thinking Jesus is going to be the condemner. Jesus chills for a little bit. He writes in the sand. and He says, hey, he who's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Jesus levels the playing field. He's not a condemner. He's a grace giver and a righteous judge. She stands up, looking around. I would imagine a strip, humiliated. And he says, go. Where are your accusers? She says, no, nowhere. He says, go, sin no more. That's the love of Jesus. I believe that's the love of Jesus calling you today. He lived this perfect life, did incredible miracles, raised the dead to life. And then he went to a cross. And he endured so much for you, for me. He stood in the gap. Yes, the cross that we should have paid. If our sin results in death, yes, that cross was ours. But Jesus stood in the gap because he loved you. And he loved me. And then in three days, he rose from the grave. Now, I want, to hear, I want you to hear something loud and clear. clear. Had, I want you to hear something loud and clear. Had Jesus went to the cross, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died for our sins, and never been resurrected, he would have been man. The prophecies would have never been fulfilled. People would have walked on saying, thought he was the Messiah. But let me encourage the church. It is a historical fact. Read it in the ancient manuscripts. He's alive. Not only is he alive, but we got eyewitnesses. He appeared to Mary of Magdalene first, appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus, appeared to the disciples Scripture even says he appeared to over 500 people at one time, saying that many of them are still alive today. Go ask them. They saw him too. And then Peter says, at last, he came to me. We have the proof. But the reality is that we could look at it as a historical fact and say, yeah, it's logical. Yeah, I like it and I, I agree with it. But the, if you're here today and you say, I want a relationship with God, you got to put your faith in it, your whole heart, your whole life. And you have to say, I believe it so much and I want to receive that gift. I love, I love, love, love that not only when we say yes to Jesus death, life, and his resurrection. Not only do we get a relationship with God, which is like 
We don't even need anything after that. But he also gives us a hope for heaven. He gives us freedom in Christ where the sin and the chains that is for so long had us bound. He breaks them and says, I have an empty grave for that. He gives us purpose. He gives us a mission to live our lives for. Calling us to a higher purpose. I said, I started off by saying that we all want to live for something outside of ourselves, something bigger than ourselves, right? We all have that deep sense of longing of, of purpose. We all have those grueling questions of what happens when I, when I die? The answer to all of your questions is found in a God who is alive today in his name Jesus. Jesus. Why do we get so crazy up here celebrating Jesus? We once were lost in our sin and brokenness, trying to work our way out. And then what did Jesus do? He met us right where we are. If you're here today, and you're saying, I'm too far gone. God could never love me. You couldn't be any more further from the truth. God's love meets you right where you are. You know what grace means? Grace means unconditional love. Many of you have never experienced that in your life. Every love, every relationship you've ever invested in has left you hurt and broken because it's been conditional. But God loves you with an unconditional, agape kind of a love. And we call that grace. Amazing grace. And he's calling you to receive it today. The scripture says, for by grace, I have been saved through faith. This is not of my own doing. It is the gift of God. And it goes further on to say that not a result of work so that nobody can boast. You see, if we could earn our way to heaven, we'd be like, yeah, I was better than him. Yeah, I lived better than her. I earned my way here. The, the challenge to that is you never really know, right? So you're constantly living in fear and guilt and shame. But God comes to say, I got a gift for you. And this gift is called grace. This is the gospel. That when you put your faith in Jesus today and say, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I confess my sins before you. Jesus says, son, you are forgiven. And let me tell you, church, there's no greater feeling than that. I want to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up. I want to go ahead and close with, with this. If you're here today and you say, I want to put, I, I, I want to I put, put my trust in him today. I, you know, I've been wrestling with this, this person, Jesus. And honestly, it's, this story has been kind of confusing to me. But I'm starting to see it a little bit more clear today on this Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you with something. These three quick, quick, quick things. The first is this. I want you to confess your sins to him today. You say, I've never spoken to God before. It's okay. You don't have to write out poetry. You don't have to make it pretty. You just come raw and real. But God, can God handle what's going on in my heart? Because it's pretty ugly. Uh, he endured the cross. I think he can handle your raw pain, your brokenness, your grief. Confess your sins to him today. Scripture says, if you confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't make it pretty. Talk to God as if he was sitting right across from you. Confess your sins to him today. The second is to put your faith in him. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith is not being in an airplane with a chute on saying, I believe this chute's gonna hold. Faith is jumping out of the airplane believing it's gonna hold. I don't encourage you today, put your faith and your belief in Jesus. But I don't have all the answers yet. I haven't read the whole Bible. It's okay. It's all right. Come to him just like you are. Ignorant at all. God, I, I, I confess, I believe. And you know what God does in that moment? He begins to grow you. He begins to reveal his word, his scripture to you and and then you begin to discover more and more about his grace. And the more you discover about his grace, the more unworthy you feel like, God, this can't be true. How can, what? You did this for me? And the final thing is walk out in freedom. Walk out in freedom. Christ can set you free today. We're gonna have a song of response. We're gonna sing one of my favorite songs. God, you're so, so good. And, and during this song, uh, I just want you to take some time to reflect on your life. This is, this is not anything that we're forcing anybody to do, anything. This is your journey. You're there, you're, your mind, your heart. This is your journey. This is between you and God. Uh, during this response song, I, I want you to talk to God. If you don't believe, say, God, I don't know that I believe. Help my unbelief. Who are you? Reveal yourself to me. If you're here today and you want to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, do it during this response song. Confess your sins to him today. He'll forgive you. And then tell him, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. Let's, let's grow in this together. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.